Well, I want to welcome you back to session four of this authenticity event. Uh, we call them authenticity events because we're actually looking at the authentic life of a local pastor. And uh, I hope that you've watched sessions one, two, and three, kind of a biblical theological conversation, then more practical pre-baptism, some discussion about the act of baptism itself. Uh, if you look at our series on the Lord's Supper, on weddings and funerals, you'll notice that we demonstrate at the end, we actually have a mock wedding. We actually have a, uh, a casket and we talk about funerals. And we also set up the Lord's Supper and talk, talked about that and walked through that. So I hope that you'll look at all the other resources on the website uh, that we have for you. But what we want to do now is we want to kind of end up right here in the water. Again, I want to thank Wake Forest Baptist Church for filling their baptistry for us and allowing us to use it. It's nice and warm. It's very comfortable. Which brings me to a conversation you want to have. You want to prepare your baptistry well if you can. Sometimes you don't have warm water. Sometimes you won't have a baptistry. Um, I've seen people baptized in 55-gallon drums of water. I've seen people and baptized people in rivers. I've baptized in the ocean. And there, those different places and those different environments produce different problems. You'll think this is funny, and you ought to laugh because it was kind of funny after the fact, but when you baptize someone in a moving river, make sure that you put your, their head upstream or you will drown them. Uh, one time I was baptizing in a river, and I wasn't thinking about that, and I baptized him downstream, and that rushing water hits his nose and hits his mouth, and then I lost him. And so he went floating down the river. Now his hands were in the air and he was shouting hallelujah as he floated down the river. But I lost him and he went floating away. So, uh, so think about these things. Uh, if you're in a, a local church building that has a nice baptistry like this, some baptistries you're going to get in the water like I am. Well, right now you'll notice I'm wearing this big robe, which is not that common in many churches anymore. Underneath this robe, I'm wearing a pair of waders. Because if this were a Sunday morning, I need to be able to get out of this water, get dry, and get back out into the worship service in a timely fashion. And so these waders help protect me from the water. Many churches today, you're just going to wear clothes that get wet, and that's more common. Some churches actually all wear the same t-shirt, or they all have the same color, and that kind of thing. That doesn't matter, but just think about the practical aspects of it. Have towels, have a changing area. I went to a church one time that was 216 years old when I became their pastor. And their baptismal changing areas were full of old flowers and, and decorations from the Christmas cantata because they had been unused for so long. Uh, we had to clear those out and make a nice place for people to change, have a nice place for the ladies to change their clothes and the men, if that's part of your facility and your context. You may be a church planter and you're baptizing in a swimming pool. You may be off on the, the mission field and you're baptizing in other contexts. So make the best use of what you can. I remember baptizing different stories. Sometimes the water was too full. I remember one time a lady getting baptized and the whole bass section of the choir right here got hit by a waterfall uh, during the Sunday morning service. You just keep going, you know? And everybody thought it was great and, and they were happy about that. I once baptized a man who weighed 450 pounds. Now, you can't tell it on the video, but I'm about six foot three. I'm not a small guy myself, but this guy was six foot five, 450 pounds. And I lost him. He turned on me. I couldn't hold him and he turned on me. It was so wide across the back, he turned on me and just tidal waved uh, the, entire, the entire church building. Baptized a guy who was six foot nine, a professional basketball player one time. Had to kind of walk him down and walk him back up. So think about these practicalities. Uh, with children, like in this baptistry, they have a nice little step that a child could stand on or someone who's shorter. 
Uh, some baptistries today actually have built-in chairs to where the person sits down and you're literally just taking the top part of their body back and forth. Or many baptistries today, the pastor or the person who's administering baptism doesn't even get in the water. You stand outside the water. It's a much narrower piece and you're actually on the back side of the baptistry and you're just reaching over, baptizing the person uh, who's uh, in the water. Uh, some churches actually have beliefs about these things. And so don't be surprised by the traditions you may run into, especially if you're a new pastor. Some people believe you should only baptize in running water because Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. Uh, some people believe that if the pastor's not in the water with the person, that it's not legitimate. And so you, you need to think through these things. Make sure you're aware so that you don't fumble your way through some faux pas in the beginning that gets you into some kind of useless trouble that it has no biblical foundation. So there are a lot of ways to baptize. You've got to think about what are you going to say? How are you going to hold your hands? How are you going to take this person down into the water and lift them back up? Some people, if you're not a, a big guy like me, you don't have some physical strength, you might be baptizing someone who's a lot larger than you. And you've got to think about, do I have the physical strength to actually take this person into this water and bring them back up? The more water you have, the easier it is to baptize. For example, the water level in here is actually kind of low for me because I'm so tall. So I'm going to actually have to reach down quite a ways and pull up quite a ways. And that takes some strength and coordination. And so in a moment, I'm going to give you a few tips to help you work through those practical issues. Because you don't want some physicalness to be a distraction from the moment that you're going to celebrate as a congregation. Um, again, to think about whether the person might be afraid of water. I've had to baptize people who were deathly afraid of water. And so I actually brought them into the baptistry the day before and showed them that this, you know, this is how deep this is. This is going to be okay. And, and they were terrified about having their head lowered under the water. And so we actually had to work through that and get them through that. What about somebody who has a physical disability? or some special need. We've, we've baptized people who were in wheelchairs. And so we actually had men who came and helped us. And what we did was we moved them from the wheelchair into a plastic chair and we actually carried the entire chair into the baptistry and just tipped the entire chair back. And I had some people assist me uh, in doing that. We talked earlier about who should baptize and whether they need to have some specific official authority from the local church or not. I've had many occasions where perhaps it, depending upon what your church teaches and believes, maybe the pastor needs to be a part of the baptism. Well, you could share baptism. I, I could have the Father with me in the baptistry if that's what the church feels better about. And we could both baptize the, the Son or, or something like that. So you can work through a lot of those issues and, and just continue to teach what Scripture teaches and find the, the best practices uh, that in the end uh, will help you. Sometimes you'll have multiple baptisms. Make sure you know their names. Um, actually, make sure if you need to have that written down on a piece of paper taped right here in front of you or or something like that Don't this is not the moment to forget the names and this is from a guy now listen to me This is from the guy who used the wrong bride's name during a wedding once so trust me get the names right So a lot of different ideas a lot of practical things So I'm gonna have Gary come in and join me and one of the things I'd also recommend Gary's a young spry strapping young man but these steps in baptistries, most baptistries that are modern are made out of fiberglass. And to be honest with you, sometimes these steps can be slippery. 
And so, especially if I'm, I'm baptizing an older adult or a lady or, or even children, I, I always make sure that I reach out and I also have people who are assisting, assisting me who will help people get in and out so that there's no slipping, no hurting. We don't want there to be some kind of problem that happens uh, uh, before or after baptism. Now, Gary Fike works with me here at the seminary. Gary is not a new believer. Uh, Gary is a mature disciple who helps us make other disciples. He works in our equipped ministry. Uh, some of you who are watching this will know Gary's name because you're in an equipped church and you're watching this as part of an internship or a mentorship. And if you don't know what equip is, contact the seminary, let Gary talk to you, and let's get your church lined up with equip. But uh, many of you are gonna know his name. So this is, this is just a demonstration and I appreciate Gary volunteering doing this. I don't know if he had a choice, but anyway, I'm glad Gary's here to do this. So what would happen is, is I would bring the, the person in, and as I mentioned in the last session, in my, in my tradition, we would either have them share a testimony or we would show a video of them sharing a testimony, or we would have someone else reading their testimony. So we would be here in front of a congregation, perhaps on a Sunday morning, and we would be celebrating baptism and I would say something about uh, how we're going to celebrate baptism today. And then I would talk about the meaning of baptism. And I would talk about the fact that baptism does not save you, but that baptism is a symbol of something that God has already done. And it's a symbol of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It's a symbol of what happens to us. The old me dies and is buried with Christ, Romans 6, and I'm risen to new life in Him. It's a symbol of the covering of Christ's righteousness and the washing away of my sin. I would make a strong point, do this every time I baptize, this water does not wash away your sin. This is a symbolic covering and a symbolic washing of something that God has already done in the life of the person who's about to be baptized. So I always teach that every single time I baptize because very likely Gary has invited his lost friends and neighbors to be here to hear his testimony and to see his baptism. We would so strongly encourage that, that there are people here and they're not gonna know what baptism is and they're not gonna understand what's really happening here. And I don't want them to think that this is the moment that Gary's being saved. I want them to realize that Christ has saved Gary and this is this public expression, this is a public testimony of what Christ has done in his life. So we would show that testimony. And then I, very traditionally, because I often pastored churches that had strong traditional opinions about baptism. Um, if you notice, I'm wearing this black robe. Again, sometimes uh, the person might be wearing a white robe. Some, I've been asked a lot, why black? Because it's not common. I used to be uh, really much bigger than I am now. So I was this whole backdrop to whoever was being baptized. So if they're in a white robe, they stand out even more. And that's the only reason. That's just a, a personal thing. Uh, very often we'll just be dressed like Gary's dressed in casual way in clothes that can get wet. So after the testimony, I'm going to still ask Gary. I'm going to ask him two or three questions. I'm going to ask him, Gary, have you asked or have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I'm going to have him say yes out loud. And then I'm going to say, do you promise to live for Christ to the best of your ability with the help of the Holy Spirit? And he's going to say yes again. So he's publicly testifying even though we've seen a video or we've read a testimony, some people really want to hear something live and he's still going to do that. Now, let's talk about hands for a moment because there are about 462 ways to hold your hands in baptism. 
The way I do it is, and I would do this ahead of time. I teach this ahead of time. I would have Gary grab his own wrist, just like this. See that? Now that, that, that might not be normal. And then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna bring him right up here. If Gary wants to hold his nose, he has the option of holding his own nose. I'm not holding Gary's nose for him. I know some pastors who actually have a handkerchief and they bring the handkerchief up and they kind of smother the, the person before they take them under. I, I've never done that. It might work just fine. I know other people who just have the hands here. I like this idea of I'm going to bring them up if he wants to hold his nose because you're going backwards in water, which is not normal. And so um, if he wants to hold his own nose, he can do that. That's totally up to him. Some people do, some people don't. The second thing that I do, and this is really important for what I was saying earlier, especially if it's someone bigger than you, I'm gonna, they need to bend their knees. In other words, their feet are going to stay planted on the bottom of the baptistry as much as possible, and they're just going to bend at the knee, and then I'm going to bring them right back up. That does two things. It takes some of the weight off for me to lift up, but the other thing that that does is, is that that means their feet are firmly planted because here's what often will happen in baptism. The feet will float. And so when you take someone back, their feet pop up. And the next thing you know, you're jostling to get them back up on their feet and they might start thrashing. I've had people start doing the backstroke as I was trying to bring them up, especially if they're nervous about water. I've had kids come jumping in and swim across the baptistry to me. Uh, one church I pastored had a baptistry the size of a small swimming pool. It was unbelievable. And, uh, and so kids thought that was great. So try to keep things under control. You wanna make this person feel confident that you have them controlled in this process and they don't need to worry about anything, especially someone who has fear. So what's gonna happen is I'm gonna lower him into the water. As I do that, I'm going to make a couple of statements. The first thing I might do is I, may, I might even raise my hand like this symbolically once we're to that point and say something like, then Gary, after he said, yes, I've trusted in Christ, yes, I'm gonna live for him to the best of my ability, I might say something that, like this, then it's my privilege to baptize you as my brother in Christ, sister, etc. For, for a lady, my brother in Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, following that formula we see in Scripture, and then I'm gonna, and then I quote Romans 6. Other people will quote other things. I'm buried in Christ, and I'm risen to new life in Him. And I'm going to say that as I do this motion, okay? So let me, let me show you. I'm going to have Gary grab his wrist. I'm going to bring his hand right here. We'll say something that upon this testimony, Gary, it's my privilege, my joy to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to take a wide stance because he's pretty tall. I'm going to have him bend his knees, buried in Christ, and risen to new life in him. And see, getting his feet underneath him is a deal. See, but that's just the way it is. Now let me give you let me give you another hint. Wear a short sleeve shirt underneath this robe, or roll your sleeve up because my arm got wet to the elbow just then because of, of baptizing and, and getting Gary underneath the water, and that's pretty normal. And so Gary then comes out. I'm not going to hold Gary here at this point because he's going to start getting cold, and uh, he needs to get back out of share. So I'm going to send Gary right on out. We've got towels and people waiting on him. Then what's going to happen is he goes out, if that's the only one being baptized, I'm going to step up and I'm probably going to lead us in prayer. Um, I used to have a pastor, wonderful older man, and I love this. He would quote out of the book of Acts and he would say, see, here is water. What prevents you from being baptized also? I thought that was a great kind of benedictory comment after baptizing. And then either I'm going to lead in prayer 
Or if you want to be sneaky and you want to have a good transition, have someone else designated to that point to be ready to stand up and pray. And that gives me the opportunity to slip out of the baptistry and go start changing while the congregation is praying. Or the music minister comes and he's leading a chorus of celebration and I slip out at that point. So there's nothing difficult about that choreography, but, but trying to get his feet back up, holding him and supporting him and getting him through that process. Think about the, the size of the person. Think about their fears. Think about special needs. Think about what you're going to do with those hands. I do this. You're probably going to baptize like someone you've observed, someone that you've witnessed baptize others. And so learn so that the first time you baptize is not awkward and uh, you can do it with confidence and you're not a distraction from the actual celebratory event. Now hopefully the congregation is going to respond after the baptismal act with, with some, some aspect of celebration, amens, hallelujahs, applause, some sense of joy recognizing what this means, that this person has just publicly expressed and testified not only to the church but to the world that they've trusted in Christ, that they've died, they've been buried with Him, risen to new life. This is what God has done in their life. So thanks for joining us for this series on baptism. I, I really will do encourage you to watch the other resources, watch for upcoming events. Some of them are on campus, some of them are just in video form. And let us know how we can serve you on that new website. Look at the other pages. Uh, the blogosphere is going to start really clicking pretty, pretty carefully and pretty regularly on this website. We hope that we'll have guest pastors who want to blog for us and uh, read those blogs, learn from those things, be encouraged, uh, and give us good ideas so that we can continue to address the real needs, the authentic needs of a local church pastor. Thanks for joining us. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you again soon.